All right, you guys can grab a seat. Come on, come on. Well, good morning, church, and welcome to week six, the final week of our Spirit-Filled Life series. And through this series, we have been looking at a number of different things. We've been looking at who the Holy Spirit, we've been looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. And we've, we've been looking at just how the Holy Spirit is God, how he is a person, how he is our helper, how he is there for us and guides us and he supports us. We've been looking at how the Holy Spirit, he lives inside of us. We have all received the Spirit and he works within us to transform us into the image of Christ that we might bear the fruit of the Spirit. And last week, we, we started to look at what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How we have all, when we believe in Jesus, we've all received the Holy Spirit and we've been baptized by the Holy Spirit that makes us pure, that makes us clean, that makes us holy. But now that we have been baptized by the Holy Spirit, there is another level that God has made available to us and that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And last week, we saw God do incredible things in this place. People were filled with the Holy Spirit, some for the first time in their life. People gave their life to Jesus. People were healed. God spoke directly into situations and into people's lives. People had their faith restored in God. We, saw, we, we spent a couple hours after the service dealing with uh, doing deliverance and dealing with some demonic oppression, and we saw God do incredible things as he set people free and filled them with his spirit. And really, like, this is the goal of the series, is that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. That we would not just live ordinary, kind of like Christian, doing our own thing, but complacent lives, but that we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with the Spirit, we would call heaven down onto earth, that we would see people healed, we would see people restored, we would see people delivered, we would see God do the impossible in and through our lives. Because we believe that the gospel of Jesus isn't about what God does for us. Like salvation is important. That happens when we believe. But God is calling us to partner with him as he changes the world for the better. And so I want to start to dig in this morning into the power that God has made available to us. You see, John 14, Jesus says this. It says, Philip said to him, Philip being one of Jesus' disciples, said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. In this question, lots of things going on. Philip is basically saying, hey, Jesus, you've told us you are the Son of God and that you were sent by God, that you are God himself, but prove it to us. In essence, like, we believe that Father is in heaven and he sent you as his son to be here on earth. But show us the Father, Jesus, so we know what you're saying is true. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does 
his works. Jesus is saying, what I speak, I am not speaking as the Son of God. I am speaking these words through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit on behalf of God himself. He says, the works that I've done, or, and, or, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, but if you do not, then believe the works themselves. Now, what, what is Jesus talking about when he refers to works? Quite simple. Everything he has done in his life up to this point. Healed the sick, cast out demons, raised the dead, multiplied the loaves and fishes, walked on water, preached the good news of the kingdom of God and God's love, served others from a place of sacrifice rather than entitlement. He's talking about the things that they've seen him do, the impossible things they've seen him do. And he's saying to them, yeah, you, you guys, believe my words if you want, but you might doubt my words, but you cannot doubt my works. And then Jesus, he says this, this phrase, and this blows my mind every time I read it. He says the very next verse, he says, believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, but if you do not, then believe because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. Quick survey. Who here believes in Jesus? Show of hands, okay? If you don't, you just need to believe and you're good to go. But basically, what this verse says the one who believes in me, so if you raised your hand, you are included in this. The one who believes in me will do also do the works that I do. What works? Healing, miracles, sharing the gospel, serving others, raising the dead, the miracles, miraculous things Jesus did. And in fact, he says, will do greater works than these. For I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father will be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Now what Jesus is saying here is not that we will do works that are greater in value than what he did, but greater in number. We will do things through the power of God that Jesus didn't do himself. And we see this in the book of Acts where Paul, he's working making tents. He rubs his forehead with a handkerchief. Somebody grabs it, lays it on a sick person. That person is healed. Jesus never did that. But through the power of God, Paul did. And Jesus is saying, my time here is limited. I'm going to be going back to the Father shortly. But when I do, my work will not end. Because I am equipping you with the power of the Holy Spirit. I am giving you the Holy Spirit inside of you so that you will carry on my works. You will carry on healing the sick, cleansing the lame, raising the dead. You will continue to preach the gospel and bring people into the kingdom of God. The works that Jesus did, he gave us access to as well. And this is a promise, he says, not just to the Christians who've been in the church for 30 years and who are lead pastors of a church with 5,000 members and, and, and whatnot. No, no, no. He says, 
all believers. All, the one who believes in me has access to this promise. You know, I have to wonder, what would happen if the church were to start taking Jesus at his word? You see, we do it for salvation. John 3.16, we love that verse. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. We believe that. Believe in Jesus and you're saved. Yay, we trust Jesus in that. But why don't we trust him when it comes to John 14? What would happen if the church were to start taking the Great Commission in Mark 16 seriously? Where Jesus said, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole of creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. This is the mission statement of the entire Big C Church. Not just Gateway, but every church in the world. This is our mission statement. And these signs will accompany those who believe. By using my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. You know, what would happen if we as a church were to start trusting Jesus fully? If we were to start taking Jesus at his word? That when we go out into our workplaces and into the supermarkets and onto the bus and we see somebody hurting and in pain, instead of being like, oh God, please heal them, but I'm not going to do anything, we're like, all right, God, what are you doing here? Oh, you're going to heal them? Okay. Hey, mister, I I, I, I know you don't know who I am and this is going to be uncomfortable, but I see you're in pain. And I know a guy who wants to heal you. Can I pray for you? And we take Jesus literally at his word. What if when God said to us, hey, that person needs hope, go and pray to them, pray for them. Or that person is believing a lie that was perpetuated by their father who told them they uh, they were ugly and they weren't worth anything. That we would go to them and say, hey, God told me that your dad, he told you all kinds of lies and it's affecting your relationship. But guess what? God loves you. God loves you more than you could ever know. What would happen if we started to take Jesus at his word? See, when we are filled with the Spirit, we receive the power of God. We gain access to the power of God to partner with God in bringing heaven to earth. We're not just sitting around waiting to die so we can go to heaven. We are meant to be partnering with God, bringing the truth and life of heaven to earth. And as a church, this church, we are done living powerless Christian lives. I am done just walking around being complacent, being okay with seeing people hurting and broken in the world when God has given us access to his power to make a difference. This church, we are going to see God move powerfully. We are going to see God do incredible, impossible things in our midst. We are going to see God heal people, deliver people, set people free, speak into people's minds. That is the heart of what we do. So I want to talk this morning, though, 
on the idea of the gifts of the Spirit, and more specifically what I'm calling this message, is untapped power. Untapped power. You know, last week I shared how at the age, around the age of seven, I, I was first filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And it's a really cool moment where I, I just asked God, I'm like, God, I hear about the gift of tongues. Can I have that? And he's like, sure. And I began to speak in the gift of tongues. And tongues is the, the ability to speak in a language that is not your own. It's typically for private prayer communication between you and God. And in that moment, I started to speak in tongues and was filled with the Holy Spirit. But I'd be lying to you if I said that that moment really affected my life at all. Like, sure, over the years, I continued to speak in tongues, but I never really sought more of God until it was actually my first year of Bible college when I moved out to Edmonton. And, and when in my first year of Bible college, I encountered a number of individuals and organizations and churches that were spirit-filled that began to open my eyes to reveal to me the fullness and power that God had made available to his people. And and I'm not going to name the organizations because they're they're typical places that um, powerless Christians like to make fun of and to cringe at because, you know, powerless Christians prefer to partner with the devil in sowing division than with God in spreading the kingdom. But that's neither here nor there. Um, But through those organizations and individuals, God began to reveal to me the power he had made accessible to all believers. And in that moment, I had to make a choice. Am I going to be comfortable or am I going to trust God? Am I just going to live a comfortable Christian life, go into ministry, be a pastor, teach about Jesus without ever seeing real life change happen? Or am I going to rely on the power of God to see true life transformation happen in our midst? And I decided, first year Bible college, I'm like, I, I, I want more of God. God, I, I, I trust you, and I'd be lying if I said that I was great at it. Because the reality is, more often than not, I have to, God has to remind me, like, hey, you remember how you said you would trust me? Yeah, you're not right now. I'm like, oh, shoot. Because like, the, the reality is faith is a journey. But, but as I began to trust God more and more, I saw God do incredible things in me and through me. God set me free from an addiction to pornography. God set me free from all kinds of lies that I'd been believing about myself. And as I began to pray for people, I began to see people healed. Back pain, knee pain, neck pain, cancer, all all these things that God began to heal through his power through my prayers. And it wasn't just healing that I saw. I I, I started to get words of wisdom and knowledge and, and prophecy for people. I began to receive the faith of God to step into situations that seemed hopeless and declare hope. And I began to see God do impossible things through me. And the reason I share all of that is not to be like, hey, look at me, look how holy I am. No, no, no. Because I could grab three or four kids from our kids' ministry right now who are more spirit-filled than me and have seen God move more powerfully through their lives than I've seen through mine. So it's not about status. 
It's about posture. But I began to see God do impossible things through me. And it began to challenge my faith, make me wonder what else is possible? What has God made available to me? See, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul, he is talking, it's the chapter that's known to talk about spiritual gifts. And, and in this chapter, Paul, he begins to explain about the spiritual gifts and some common things that we don't understand about, about the gifts of the Spirit. And, and he starts in verse 1, he says, Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's important. Because if the gifts of the Spirit were only for pastors and people who are really holy or good Christians, Paul would say, oh, concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, don't worry about them. You'll learn about them later when you're better. But no, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant. And he says, says this, he says, you know that when you were Gentiles, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And in this moment, Paul is giving a really foundational teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. That is that the gifts of the Spirit will always glorify Jesus. We don't have to worry about counterfeit gifts because if a gift of the Spirit glorifies Jesus, then it will be genuine. If it doesn't, we can reject it. We can move on. We can ignore it. That's okay. We'll just move on past that. But, but the reality is the gifts of the Spirit will always glorify Jesus. And then he carries on. He says this, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in each one. We see the Trinity right there. Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is the second important thing Paul tells us about the gifts of the Spirit. It's that they're not for you. They're for the good of others. And we know from, from the history of the church in Corinth that there had been abuse of the gifts. There had been fear about whether a gift was genuine or not. And, 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 and Paul is saying here, hey guys, two things. The gifts will always glorify Jesus and they were given for the common good. They were not given so you could charge $60 per person and lay hands on them and see them healed so you could buy a private jet. Your fourth one, in fact, because you need a fourth one to, to preach the gospel, apparently. No, no, no. They were given for the common good. And then Paul goes on and he gives us a list of nine examples of the gifts of the Spirit. He says, to one is given the Spirit, or through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom that is to know God's will, God's wisdom over a situation, to make the right decision in a situation when you don't know what the right decision is. You can do that through the Holy Spirit. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Often this comes in words of knowledge. 
Like we gave a few earlier about people who needed to surrender, about someone who believed a lie that they didn't have access to the Holy Spirit. Those are words of knowledge to know in a room that someone is dealing with cancer that God wants to heal. That's a word of knowledge. And he goes on and he says, to another, faith by the same Spirit. That's not like I believe in Jesus' faith. That's a I can't do this on my own. God, you just told me that that person is struggling with cancer and to go pray for them so that they'll be healed. God, that's too freaky. I need your faith. That, that's the kind of faith we need that it's talking about here. To another, gifts of healings by the one spirit. In the Greek, it's actually gifts, plural, of healings, plural. We're, the implication being not that one person will receive all a gift of healing and then you can just go around and you're healed and you're healed and you're healed and you're healed. It's that the Holy Spirit gives us a gift of healing to release onto someone. To another, he says, the, um, the workings of powerful deeds, miracles, all the crazy things Jesus did. To another, Prophecy, which is foretelling or foretelling, telling what God says about a situation or telling what God says is about to come. To another, the discernment of spirits to be able to recognize this is Holy Spirit, this is a demon. To another, various kinds of tongues, which again is the ability to speak in a language that you don't know, often for the purpose of private prayer, but sometimes for public exhortation. And when tongues are used publicly, to another, the interpretation of tongues. The interpretation is important. Because when the gift of tongues is used publicly, we need an interpretation so that we can understand what God is doing. And he says, these, all these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. Now these are the gifts of the Spirit. It's what they're called, and we could probably spend hours digging into each and every one. Um, I figured you guys didn't want to be here until 4 p.m., though, so we're not going to go any deeper right now. Maybe do a series about it in the future, but these are the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm not going to pretend that this list is exhaustive, because in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about celibacy as if it's a gift of the Spirit. Exodus 31, God talks about goldsmithing and leatherworking as if it's a gift of the Spirit. So there's a lot of different gifts of the Spirit, but these are nine examples that Paul gives us. And what Paul tells us, which is really key, is that the gifts of the Spirit will, first of all, always glorify Jesus. The spiritual gifts will always glorify Jesus. If they don't, reject them. But two, he tells us they are always for the common good. See, the very next chapter, so 1 Corinthians 12, gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, that's a chapter that we think only applies to weddings. It's about love. But in fact, it's, it's not just about weddings. The context is gifts of the Spirit. Paul says, verse, or verse 1, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of humans and of angels, that is the gift of tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, gift of wisdom, and all knowledge, gift of knowledge, and if I have all faith, gift of faith, so as to remove mountains, 
but do not have love, I am nothing. And Paul, he's saying, the gifts of the Spirit will always glorify Jesus. If they don't, reject them, move on. It's not from God. If they do, receive. That is the first test. But secondly, the gifts of the Spirit are always for the common good. And the gifts without love are meaningless. But even with all these warnings, Paul tells us in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, pursue love and strive for the spiritual gifts. Love is first and foremost. Love God, love others, love life. Love is first and foremost. But don't forget the second part. Strive, seek, pursue the gifts, the spiritual gifts. Let me illustrate this for you guys. You know, we live in an age when we have access to so much power just at our fingertips. Like, we have phones, computers, the internet, electricity, you know, things that our, our parents and generations before could only dream of. And we have access to all of these things. And, and what's insane is, you know, you don't even have to own half the stuff anymore. It's all subscription services. Like, you want to watch the newest season of whatever show is out there? You just buy Netflix or Disney Plus, like, whatever. And you, you don't even need to own your phone. Just pay a $50 plan a month to a phone company and, 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 and pay a tab for your phone. And bam, look, you have a phone. It's not even yours. We, we have access to all of this ability and all this power at the touch of our fingertips. But you know, how absurd would it be if we were to have access to all of this technology and we were just to not ever use it? Like imagine, just grab my book. Imagine we're, you know, you're at home, sitting on your couch, <sighs> reading a book, Bible, great book, highly recommend. <laughs> reading a book and suddenly it gets a little dark. Oh, okay. It's a little dark. I can't really read my Bible now, so I'm just gonna, let me pull out my candle. There we go. Perfect. All right. Now I have light. I can keep on reading my Bible. No, I'm not trying to burn the Bible. I'm just trying to actually get candle light near, near the Bible. Now this is a terrible light for reading a book. I guess not, not really worth it. I'll, I, I guess I'm, I'm done reading the Bible for tonight. It's too dark. You know, just remembered, I owe my brother some money. How much was it again? It was like $42 for that thing and $57 for that thing. Oh, the phone always bugs me in my back pocket. I wish I could do that math. Oh, I know. Perfect. 42. What was the other number? 57? 57. Oh, $99. Perfect. I'll go to the bank and get cash for that later. Perfect. You know what would be really great? To go on a 
vacation to Banff. That would be really great. Let me, let me see if it's actually feasible. I, I don't know if that, that'll be possible. Oh, wrong side. So there's Edmonton. There's Banff. Where's the legend of size? <laughs> if I flew there, it'd be about 300 kilometers. Wow, that would be a long walk. I guess I'm not going to go to Banff. How absurd would that be? When it's dark and you want to read a book, you don't need a candle. When you have electricity and a light. When you need to do simple math problems, well, your teachers were wrong. You carry a calculator around in your pocket. <laughs> you don't need an abacus. That's, that's a kid's toy. And you don't need to walk to Banff. There are many different ways of getting there. A bus. A train, rent a car, take an Uber. You, if you're really rich, get a helicopter. Only if you're really rich. But let me propose to you that this is how many of our Christian lives look. That we go about living powerless lives. Asking God, please, maybe possibly do this for me. And missing the power that God has made available to us. He's given us all this power. It's all at our fingertips. But, but we go around as powerless Christians, afraid of the big bad devil as if he's the wolf from Little Red Riding Hood. And we think that the devil is more powerful than God and I just have to stick it out to the end and then I'll die and go to heaven and everything will be perfect. But you see, the reality is God is more powerful than anything else in the world. I read this quote by an evangelist. His name is Todd White. He's a guy who, I love his story because he just goes into supermarkets and he's like, ooh, you, you're in a wheelchair. Let me pray for you because God's going to heal you. And, and like, God does incredible things in and through his life. And, and he says this, he says, it's important to note darkness has a limited amount of pow power. Christianity has an endless source of power. But so few of us ever tap into it. What would happen if all Christians started tapping into the power that is available to each and every believer? So we as Christians, we just sit here and we let things happen to us. We let bad things happen and we pray these powerless prayers like, God, please, maybe, if you possibly could pray, maybe think about doing this for me, maybe if it's in your will, God, I, I, I possibly. When God has said, no, 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 just speak. I have given you power. Just speak. Command. Speak forth. You are seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Your authority comes through Jesus. You are not powerless. As children of God, we have access to his power. So we can go into situations and we can declare, in the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, peace of God, come on this person. In the name of Jesus, hope, fill this person. In the name of Jesus, demon, get out. 
You are not welcome here. In the name of Jesus, angels surround me. I am stressed. I am anxious. I am worried. Angels surround me with your presence. God, fill me with your presence. In the name of Jesus, I command anxiety to leave. We have power through God. But for many of us, our power has been untapped. We are using candles instead of light bulbs and abacuses instead of calculators and maps and walking instead of vehicles and cars. And God is saying, will you receive my gifts? Will you tap into the power that I have made freely and readily available for you? It's not power to do what you want. It's power to partner with God. That when he says that person's going to be healed, you can declare they'll be healed. Are you going to trust him? See, if you want to receive the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God, the reality is God has made those things readily available to all of us. And all we have to do is really just receive. So if you want to receive the power of God, the first thing you need to do is be filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week, and if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll give an opportunity again today to do the same. But that's the first step. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Book of Acts, whenever people were filled with the Holy Spirit, power accompanied the filling. The second thing is we need to ask and seek. Luke 11 puts it this way, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open for you. We have to ask and receive. And the implication there is persistence. Like I'm continually asking God, give me this. God, I want more of your spirit. God, fill me with your spirit. And persistently asking day after day. See, in my life, every single gift of the Spirit that I have seen operate in my life through the power of God has come because I asked Him. I asked God for the gift of tongues. I asked God to be able to prophesy. I asked God to have the gift of healing. And through that, God honored my request. It didn't always come immediately. It often just came in moments I'd be praying for somebody and then it would be like, bam, Holy Spirit power. Bam, prophetic word for that person. Wow, God just healed that person. We have to be filled, we have to ask, and we have to seek. The third thing we have to do, and this is a scary one, is we have to have faith and take a risk. See, so often Christians... We're filled with the Spirit. We have access to the power of God. God has given us the gifts of the Spirit. But as soon as God is like, hey, hey, go pray for that person, we're like, yeah, God, I don't want to. I'm good. That's scary, God. I don't want to do that. What are they going to think? What if I pray for them and nothing happens? We're so worried about our reputation and God's reputation. God's like, let me take care of that. Do you trust me? Because you can go around filled with the Spirit doing nothing. 
Or you can go around filled with the Spirit and see God do everything in and through your life. You can see people healed. You can see people delivered. You can speak prophetic words into people's lives. You can know things you shouldn't know. You can discern what is from God and what isn't. When we have the Holy Spirit, we need to take a risk. The Holy Spirit is not just for us. The gifts of the Spirit are not just for us. They are for the common good. And all too often we shackle God. And we're willing to receive the Spirit, but we're not willing to do anything with it. And God's saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me? And take a risk? Be obedient to what I called you to do? Going back to our starting passage, John 14. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. In fact, will do greater works than these. Because I'm going to the Father. So as the band comes up, if I can get everyone right now just to stand with me. And if you're here and and you want to receive the gifts that God has made available to you, I want to encourage you to put your hands out like this in a posture of receiving. Whether you've been filled with the Spirit before, you have access to the gifts of the Spirit already, or or this is your first time being filled with the Spirit or actually working in the power of God, regardless, if you want to see God do something powerful in your life, Put your hands out in a position like this. And then I want us to pray this, this prayer together from throughout the next slide. Just repeat this with me. Father God, I want more of you. My soul longs for more of you. Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit and power. Let me hear your voice and be obedient to it. Let me pray for people and see them healed. Allow me to receive your wisdom, your knowledge, your faith, that I may share them with the world. Father, help me to trust with your power that I will go out glorifying Jesus and demonstrating your love to the world for the benefit of the world. Father God, I thank you that we have free access to your Spirit, and that right now you are giving people access to your power. The people are being filled with your Holy Spirit right now and are being given access to the gifts of the Spirit that they will be able to operate and trust you and take a risk and see you do amazing things in and through them. Father, I just pray that you will reveal to people right now what you are doing. Now what I want to do is something that is going to freak some of you out. 
And if it freaks you out and you're too uncomfortable with it, that's okay. You can make an excuse. Like, oh, I'm, I'm late picking up my kids from school. I, I gotta go. That's, that's okay. But I believe in putting our faith into action. So right now, what I want us to do, prayer team is going to start coming to the front. They've got lanyards that say prayer team. They'll be at the front and around the room. First of all, if you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit and you want to, yeah, prayer team, you can, you can start to scatter. But if you're here and you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit but you want to, prayer team is here. They would love to pray for you and see you be filled with the Spirit. But for the rest of us, I want us to do something that is a little scary and a little bold. In a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to get into groups of three or four people. It doesn't matter if you know the people or not, but we're going to actually put this into action. So we're going to get into groups of three or four people, introduce yourselves, ask how how other people are doing, ask how you can pray for one another, and And then we're going to take a moment as these little groups to pray for one another. And just as you do, I want to encourage you, before you pray, to just ask God, Holy Spirit, do you have anything to say to this person? What do you want to say to this person? Listen for his voice. If you hear anything that glorifies Jesus and is in line with who God says he is in the Bible, then then share it, whether it's a word or image or verse. And then pray for one another with the authority given to us through the blood of Jesus, through Jesus' death and through the Holy Spirit. Don't pray timid prayers of, God, maybe please heal this person. But in the name of Jesus, I release healing. Healing, God. Hope, God. Peace, God. Deliverance, God. Release the power. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to go into this. We'll have a song going in the background, but I encourage you all to take this risk and see what God will do through you for the benefit of others. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you that when you walked on this earth, you've set an example of everything that we have available to us through your spirit. Jesus, I thank you that you went around this world healing the sick, cleansing the leper, casting out demons, God, that that you gave people, restored people's sight, that you enabled people who couldn't walk to walk, that you opened mute tongues, God, that, that you powered people through the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I thank you that that same Holy Spirit who dwells in you who dwelt in the, in the apostles, that that same Holy Spirit dwells in us. Jesus, I thank you that you have given us access to the power of God that when we speak, heaven answers. That at your word, when we are in line with what you are saying and what you are doing, that there is nothing that is impossible through, uh, for us through your power. So Jesus, right now, Holy Spirit, I just command you to fill these people. Fill us, Lord, to overflowing. That as we pray for one another, God, that sickness will depart in the name of Jesus. 
that cancer right now will be healed in the name of Jesus. That anxiety and depression will be healed in the name of Jesus. That you will work through your people, God, not through our prayer team, not through myself, but through your people, through the power you have given us, God, that we will see lives change in the name of Jesus. God, right now, fill us with your faith. Those who are nervous and afraid and uncertain, fill us with your faith, the gift of faith, supernatural faith. That we will trust you and we will pray with boldness and see healing in this place. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So get into your groups, introduce yourselves, pray for one.